How many of you have ever been photobombed? Maybe some of you don't exactly know what that means. So uh, a photobomb is where where you're trying to take a picture and someone or something either disrupts or uh, completely sidetracks the picture. Uh, this, you know, the results of this can be anything from just kind of a, a blurry picture or a completely jumbled mess or uh, a funny picture. And I think there are two categories of, of this. There's unintentional and intentional. Here's an example of an unintentional photobomb. Uh, there's a boyfriend who is proposing to his girlfriend at Disney, and then there's this guy who, to his credit, is trying to get out of the way, but in fact has ended up blocking the whole picture. The focus of the picture was supposed to be capturing this girl's reaction. You know, this, this moment to which girls dream their whole lives about at the most magical place in the world. Instead, the focus was on this guy. Again, kudos to him for trying to get out of the way, but it's not what the picture was supposed to be about. And then there are intentional photobombs. This guy knew what he was doing. Uh, now, now, be honest, this is a safe, uh, safe space. Who here has photobombed before? Yeah. I think it's especially common when you're like at a sporting event or at a concert and there are just people sitting in the road taking pictures. It can, it can be easy. Uh, I, I'll be honest. Last Saturday, at the, the school had a, a daddy-daughter dance and there was a group of eighth grade girls taking a picture and I just, you know, walked behind and made a face. <laughs> no harm done, right? But one thing all photobombs have in common is that they steal the focus away from what the picture was supposed to be on. Today is Transfiguration Sunday, and we're going to focus on the text where Jesus is transfigured on the mountain. Now, in Matthew's Gospel account, the transfiguration happens in chapter 17. But right before this, in chapter 16, a key event takes place. Jesus predicts his death. And during this conversation, Peter is like, no, no, Jesus, that, that's never going to happen to you. Peter doesn't like the picture that Jesus is describing. So he kind of photobombs a little bit. And this is where Jesus says those kind of famous or infamous words to Peter. Get behind me, Satan. You do not have your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. It is right after this that the transfiguration happens. And so it's important that as we go through the transfiguration, that this is what took place right before. This kind of sets the stage a bit. So Peter, James, and John are brought by Jesus to this high mountain. Now, if you recall, those three, Peter, James, and John, were kind of like the inner circle of Jesus. And this didn't happen all the time, but it happened a fair amount where just those three would go off with Jesus. And so it was a pretty big deal. It was pretty special when it was just those three. And, and so there they are on this mountain when all of a sudden Jesus is transfigured right before their eyes. His face shone like the sun and his clothes were whiter than light. Now, we don't know what was going through the minds of the disciples, but I wonder if their minds were thinking back to this Old Testament story of Moses. 
right, which was our Old Testament reading for the day. Moses was communing in the presence of God on a mountaintop, similar to Jesus and the disciples. And his face was radiant. You know, God, uh, Moses said to God that he wanted to see his glory. And so he went in the cleft of the rock and God passed by. And when he came back down the mountain, his face was glowing from being in the presence of God. The people, they were excited about this, right? No. <laughs> they, were, they were terrified. In fact, Moses had to cover his face when he was speaking to the people. The radiant reflection of God's presence terrified them. But here with Jesus, that's not the case. This time in the presence of God, the hearts of his disciples were not troubled. God had made his glory known to Jesus, and he decided to let Peter, James, and John witness it. You know, these guys, they got to see their friend and their master have God's glory shown upon him. And if that wasn't already enough, Moses and Elijah appear. And they're just having a conversation with Jesus. These hugely momentous people in the, in the history of the Israelites are just standing there right before their faces, right? Moses, the great lawgiver, and Elijah, the great prophet. This is, this is a huge deal for them. These men who have not walked the face of the earth for a very long time are now right in front of their eyes. This was figuratively and literally a mountaintop experience for the disciples. God was indeed setting up quite the scene for the perfect picture. He was revealing his glory, and as we'll see in a few moments, identifying who Jesus was. Everything was picture perfect. But then Peter had to open his mouth. I, I, I think Peter meant well, right? I think most of the time Peter meant well, but he ended up taking the focus off of Jesus off of God's will and what God was doing there. He says, Lord, it's good for us to be here with you. If you wish, and I'm just spitballing here, I'll, I'll make three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Peter was liking the scene that was being set up, and he, he wanted to stay there. He wanted their surprise guests to stay there on that mountain. He, he didn't want to go back down the mountain. He wanted to stay up there with, you know, stay up there with the guys for a little while. Stay where Jesus' face was radiating, where Moses and Elijah were. And most importantly, where Jesus wouldn't die, like how he had predicted. Things on the mountain were good. And if Peter had his will... They may have stayed there forever. If Peter had his will, Jesus certainly wouldn't have gone to the cross. God's will for Jesus to go to the cross certainly didn't seem good to Peter. We can understand that a little bit, though, right? I mean, how often do we want our own will rather than God's? 
How often do we kind of just want to jump into God's picture sometimes? God's ways sometimes aren't what we want. Breaking news to, I'm sure, everybody here, right? I mean, how many of us would have Jesus going to the cross be a part of our will? I mean, that's awful. We wouldn't want that for Jesus or, or for anybody, for that matter. We probably want more of the mountaintop experiences. We want comfort. We want easy. But how often in, in life are things easy and comfortable and go just how we want things to go? I mean, how many of you have ever had to, to wait for something important? Probably most of you. Now, who likes waiting for life-changing news? No hands. I am just shocked by that. No, if, if things went according to our will, we wouldn't have to wait about a life-changing medical diagnosis. We would know right away what's going on with our bodies. If it was our will, we wouldn't be waiting to find out if we got a job. In fact, right now, as we are awaiting our third child, we need a bigger house. And we are waiting for a house to come on the market after having sold our house three weeks ago. <laughs> if it was our will, we would have found our house already. But sometimes God's will is different from ours. Or in instead of waiting Maybe you just outright don't like God's will for a certain situation. You know, a loved one moves away, and it would rather be your will to keep them close by. Or you want to stay at your job, but you find out you're unexpectedly fired. There are plenty of times where God's will is not our will. God is staging the, perf uh, the picture to be a, a certain way. After all, he knows the bigger picture. He knows where people and everything need to be. But we sometimes, like Peter, jump into the picture. We photobomb, whether intentionally or unintentionally. We maybe don't like the way that God is doing things, or, or we just want to be part of the decision-making process. When we jump in the picture like Peter, we kind of take the focus off of what God is doing, we put it on ourselves. Just like how someone photobombing a picture takes the focus off of where it was meant to be. The simple truth is the scene on the mountain is all about Jesus. And we are reminded that still today. It's all about Jesus. We live in God's world, in, in God's story not the other way around. Everything is part of God's picture. Psalm 24, 1 tells us that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. And I think Peter and the other disciples realized that, realized that bigger perspective when they heard the booming voice of God come down from heaven said, this is my son whom I love, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. 
When they heard God's voice, understandably, they were terrified. And that terror put them on the ground, face down, afraid. But Jesus comes to them, and he, he touches them, and he says, do not be afraid. And I absolutely love the next line. It says, when they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. Even though Peter, whether intentionally or unintentionally, photobombed, tried taking the focus off of God's will, God's will still happened. God's will to reveal his glory upon Jesus still happened. And Jesus still went down the mountain where he would suffer and die for the sins of the world. God's will was still accomplished despite Peter's interruption. And the same is true for us today. No matter what the situation, God's will still happens. Now, for those times that we try to, to jump in and have our own way, sometimes we create unnecessary trouble, unnecessary pain in the circumstances that we create. But even through those things, God's will still happens. That's really good news for us. The fact that God's will happens even despite us at times. Sometimes God's will is not our will. And sometimes God's will involves discomfort and challenge. Because again, Jesus said to, to follow him, you need to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow him. So from the start, we are guaranteed that God's will is not always going to be the most comfortable thing. Now, God's will is not for sin or for death or for suffering. God, that's not God's will. But as Paul tells us in Romans 8, 28, we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him. In the end, God knows what he's doing better than we do. Even though Jesus going down the mountain ultimately seemed to Peter like it was the worst thing in the world that could happen, God knew that it was actually the best thing for the world. Likewise, there are things that seem bad to us or, or situations that we feel like we need to act on our own and, and jump into the picture. But God knows what he's doing. He's setting the stage for his good and perfect will to take place. And today, being the last Sunday before Lent, we do prepare to walk that journey with Jesus. Jesus came down the mountain and he set his sight towards Jerusalem, towards betrayal, towards beating, towards abandonment, towards the cross. And while that in no way seems good, there's a reason we call that Friday good. All focus, honor, and praise be to Jesus who didn't stay on the mountain but came down it for you and for me. Amen. Jesus, we thank you for who you are, the Son of God who, who could have stayed on the mountain, who could have been, who could have stayed where things were good, we thank you that you didn't. We thank you that you came down the mountain. You came to, to suffer and to die for us. Lord, help us 
to align our will to your will and to be reminded of Paul's words in Romans that in all things you work for our good. We thank you, Jesus, in your name. Amen.